Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme on a day that I hope we won't look back on uh, because uh, there will have been bad news from Storm Lorenzo, but everyone is trying to prepare as best we can, even though it looks very different this morning than it looked yesterday. So hopefully, hopefully the majority of Cork City and uh, County will, will bypass the worst effects of Storm Lorenzo. Now the National Emergency Coordination Group, they are meeting later this morning so we'll keep an eye on that and if anything comes out of that, particularly around preparations for Storm Lorenzo, we will bring it to you. There is a status orange wind warning in place for parts of the country. It was removed from us here in Cork which certainly is good news but there are still status yellow wind warning and rain warnings in place for us here in Cork City and County and obviously the emergency services urging people please, please, please stay away from coastal uh, areas because there are going to be disruptive winds there are going to be falling trees there will be surface flooding storm surges and that of course could lead to power outages and people have this thing I know people love the idea of chasing storms and getting the perfect photograph and getting the video and all of that but just you know heed the warnings if you want to do it make sure you're doing it safely do not put yourself or anybody else uh, at risk I mean the Irish Coast Guard are asking people to be mindful of their own uh, safety but also the safety of the rescue crews whose lives could be put in danger by people not taking sufficient care so please just be careful. Stay back from the coast. Stay in high areas, and I suppose most importantly of all, try to stay dry. Now, Lorenzo is an ex-hurricane. It's been tracked by the United States, their National Hurricane Centre. They've been tracking it closely over the last week or so. It's been downgraded from a hurricane. It's now, uh, and then it went to a tropical storm. It's now an extra tropical storm. And the real problem with it hitting us at this time of the year, so so early into our winter, is that the ground is already saturated. We've had a wet summer. And I mean, we had parts of September was absolutely beautiful, but the ground is saturated. And of course, because of the time of the year, the trees are still in full leaf. 
The rivers are already swollen after heavy rain. And with this storm, besides the wind, comes an awful lot of rain as well. So that's going to do damage. It's travelling at the moment at about 70 kilometres per hour towards Ireland. Now, it is, I heard Evelyn Cusick there on the news at 10 o'clock. It is slowing down as it approaches and that was expected to happen as well. And what they're now expecting is that it's going to turn right and then cross the country later this evening. That could change again. That's why it's important to keep updated as to what is uh, happening. And as I say, the National Emergency Coordinating Group, they are meeting later this morning and they no doubt will have the very latest, they certainly will have the very latest uh, from Met Aaron. But, you know, while we were almost all kind of sighing, sigh of relief saying, oh, it doesn't look like we're going to be as badly hit as we thought we would be this time uh, yesterday. This storm is going to still bring a significant threat of damage and flooding. So you do have to prepare for that. With storm force gusts possible, there is the risk of trees falling nationwide. So just be careful if you're heading out and about driving or if you've got anything in the garden. We were telling people to move it yesterday. If you haven't moved it yet, I'd suggest, you know, now is the time uh, to do it. And even if you move, you know, you get everything in out of the way and tied down and then nothing happens. You can put it all back. You can just, you just err on the side of caution, I think is what we're saying to people. And there are already cancellations coming in. Now, this is where we hear and local radio stations all over the country, this is where we really can play a role. If you are involved in any kind of event that you are deciding because of the possibility of the storm getting worse this evening, which is going to be the worst of it, is going to be from 6pm on. And if you are deciding to cancel something, can you let us know, give us enough notice so that we can let people know? Because we don't want anyone making a journey and then they get to an event to discover it's been cancelled. And, you know, and, and I'm assuming from later on this evening when the wind really starts to pick up. Now, we're still only at a yellow weather warning. As I said, that could change. But it's the storm this evening that is the one that we're most going to be worried about. So I'm assuming at some stage we're going to be advising people, you know, only make the journeys if it's absolutely necessary. So if you think that the event you're involved in you're going to cancel it. Let us know. As I say, give us plenty of notice so that we can share it throughout the day. Uh, already, I can see in on text message this morning, line dancing has been cancelled tonight for Clondrohid Hall and also Theo Park Bingo has been cancelled for tonight. And then some calls into 1850 333 103 and into our office line 022 Saint Faulkner's Centre, that's in Skibbereen, they've cancelled their social evening. The Mallow Art Club, they were due to have a demonstration in the Mercy Centre, that's off. Colostin at Tubrida, that's in Bandon, they had an open evening planned. That's been cancelled as indeed has St Mary's Secondary School in Mallow. They've postponed their open evening. That's, they've, they've already given us the new date which is going to be this day week, Thursday the 10th of October. The Mizzen Head Signal Station closed due to the weather conditions. Music Room in Bohabwee, they're cancelling their presentation. And Bally Desmond Card Play, that's off, as is the Rambling House in Loch Gore. That is also cancelled. And we mentioned this yesterday, but let's give it another mention uh, today. The Cork County Council took the decision here that the Dursey cable car closed to the public today, but it's also closed tomorrow. The cable car is scheduled to reopen on Saturday morning, subject to inspection. 
inspection and the inspection we're told will take place as soon as conditions uh, allow but as of now Dursley Cable Car not running today or tomorrow as I say anything else that you are aware of that has been called off due to Storm Lorenzo please uh, let us know in plenty of time Martin Infomoy says Patricia you might as well be talking to a stone because people will still go to coastal areas why because they're pure Egypts says uh, Martin in uh, Formoy. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. People, this this thing about getting the perfect photograph or having the perfect video, but you, you know, you're putting yourself at risk. But also, you know, to hear from like people like the Coast Guard saying to people, be mindful of your own safety because they're also worried about their own rescue teams because that's what happened. I mean, the Coast Guard... And the lifeboats, they'll go out regardless, even if it is, as Martin says, because some Egypt decides it's OK to go out on the sea today or it's OK to go out in a coastal walk and try and get the perfect uh, selfie. So, you know, when you're when we want you to think of yourself, but also think of the people whose lives you could be putting in danger who have to go out and rescue and save you uh, as well. Thank you for your text, Martin, to 86 Tricia, what's kilometres in miles? 2.2, is it? No, one point. I'd have to check that. Can I get back to you on that one? I'll check that one uh, for you. And someone else says, Patricia, don't forget to mention the junior certificate results. They are out tomorrow. Can we wish the best of luck to all students in this text room, particularly wants to wish the best of luck to all of the students picking up their results in Skibbereen tomorrow. And that comes in from one of the mammies in a wet and windy Skibbereen. So already some areas the wind is starting to pick up. I mean, certainly, well, I was up right up early this morning at about six and I woke to it was quite windy but then it kind of eased off uh, a little bit and you kind of get these gusts it seems to be nice and calm and it's going to be a big gust of wind but certainly we're expecting a lot of rainfall as well today now coming up on the programme this morning we are giving advice to people to help them lead an active and a healthy life in retirement and we got a big reaction when we mentioned this yesterday from a number of people who themselves are retired people there was one lady in particular I thought it was a gorgeous message in from one lady who said since she's retired so many many places to see, so many things to do. She's actually now at a stage in her life where she looks back at her working life and wonders how did I ever find the time to work? Which was a real positive message to get in. But then we heard from other people uh, who said that the boredom can lead to depression and that people really need to do something and really need to do something for yourself to make sure that you don't become isolated because of retirement and I think a lot of that has got to do as well is planning in advance rather than waiting for that day retirement day arrives and then you wake up the next morning going gee what am I going to do with the rest of my life so we will be hearing also uh, details of active retirement groups in the area and we've got many wonderful active retirement groups that can really give you a reason and a purpose to get out of bed every day and you can develop new skills and new hobbies. So we will talk uh, about that. Now, budget is just around the corner. Budget uh, for 2020 is Tuesday of next week because budgets are earlier now. We get them in in October. And I know it's always one of the complaints and we will no doubt hear this complaint next week if they decide to put anything up next week, if excise duty goes up, for example, on cigarettes or if it goes up on the price of a pint even though they haven't hit drinking quite some time or they will often put up extra taxes on diesel and on petrol and they'll make the announcement Minister will make the announcement and it will come into effect from midnight on Tuesday night and then 
in the same speech, there will be an announcement, hopefully, about an increase in social welfare payments and in old age uh, pension. And yet pensioners and other people living on social welfare will have to wait until well into, well, not well into the, big, the first quarter of 2020. It's normally in, in and around St. Patrick's Day. The increase is, you know, nearly six months after the increase was announced. For a lot of people, they've nearly forgotten that there was an increase coming, but it doesn't come into March. And I know that always, always annoys people. And it's the same if there's anything done with taxation. In a positive front, there's always a wait. Anyway, in advance of the budget next Tuesday, we're hearing a call today about... This is a call, this is not saying this is going to happen, to increase the old age pension. Now the call is to increase it by €21 over the next three years. So to put a €7 increase per year for the next three years. I don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, the last number of years, the pensions, along with other social welfare, has gone up by five euro. I don't know if we're even going to see that this year. But anyway, we'll talk about that on the programme today. We'll have a member of Avangarda Shia Kona. Join us for this week's uh, Crime File. And then it's Thursday, so that means Jane Pickett, our resident vet, will be joining us in the final hour of the programme today. And talking of Jane, there is a wonderful pet story making the news. It's making a lot of the papers as well. It's to do with a dog that went missing in uh, England. It's a terrier dog by the name of Zena. She bolted from, she was staying with a foster home in the Bristol area uh, over in England and the door opened one day and she disappeared and she hadn't been seen since. And this was six months ago. Now Zena had was a rescue dog who had come from Bosnia and it's believed that this dog had been very badly mistreated in her home country of Bosnia. So she was rescued by a crowd called Claws and Paws Rescue Centre and they're based in Somerset and she was placed with his foster family in Bristol and things were going well But in April, obviously a very, very nervous dog having been mistreated and then having been moved from Bosnia over to uh, England, still very nervous, still only settling in. And she the door opened one day. She saw go, I'm gone. And she made a run for it. So there was a Facebook page set up dedicated to trying to find this particular dog. And it took 15 weeks in total. But they've managed to capture this very, very nervous dog. Now, it included using technology such as night vision glasses and they set up a very elaborate trap because she had been spotted near a place called Blaze Castle Park. She was spotted there in June. So they they reckoned she was hiding out somewhere around that castle. So they set up very elaborate traps and then they started, they went to a delicatessen and they got special sausages and special meatballs £400 was what they spent on specialised food to try to entice the dog into the trap. And anyway, lo and behold, they managed to get her in in the last few days and she's now gone to a new 
Uh, she's back with the rescue centre and they're they're trying to get her ready for fostering again and they're hoping that um, they'll be more successful this time around. But they went to huge lengths and it's kind of one of those nice stories because all too often in the newspaper and on social media we hear the stories of the mistreated animals, the horrible stories, the ones that I'm always saying whenever somebody rings in and says, did you see such and such a story? If it's to do with cruelty to animals, I can't even read it. I mean, it's, it's the same with cruelty to humans, but the animal ones, I just find them really, really difficult to even read about. And um, all too often they get publicity. So it's lovely when you get a group of dedicated animal lovers like this bunch in this Claws and Paws Rescue Centre who have decided that this dog is worth fighting for and is worth trying to find and the lengths that they have gone to. So congratulations to each and every one of them. And here's hoping that Zena finds her forever home very soon and the dog will settle in. And I'll stay on the subject of forever homes because this is actually a neighbour of mine called over yesterday with a poster of a missing cat. She had rescued two cats and one of them has decided to go walkabouts. It is a ginger and white cat and she has gone missing from the White Oaks area of Mallow. So the thought pattern is that she's somewhere in the Summerhill, Ghouls Hill area. When she went missing, she was wearing a blue collar and has a little bell on it and she's microchipped and all of that. But the worry is that the cat may have got locked into a shed somewhere or a garage. You know the way a cat will go wander, wandering about, shed door open, I'll have a look in there. People owning it then close the shed door and it's the time of the year where people are not in and out of sheds that much. So they've asked if I will give it a mention in the hope that people in the general White Oak, Summerhill, Goulds Hill area, if you could have a look in your shed or garage, particularly the cat's been missing since last Sunday, particularly if you haven't opened your shed or garage since the weekend, if you could just open up the garage in the shed and just take a look and see, does a ginger and white cat run out? And uh, if you've spotted any sightings of the cat, can you call 083 1585296? They would certainly be delighted to hear from you. 083 1585296. Maybe somebody has taken the cat in as well. As I say, is wearing a blue collar, but I imagine if a cat well looked after, it's a much loved healthy looking cat arrived on your doorstep particularly one wearing a collar with a bell you would know that it belongs uh, to somebody and I would would like to think that you would try to have found out who owned the cat I'm more going on the theory that the cat may have got locked in somewhere some of your texts coming in this made me smile pray for posties today posties are really a general general adrenaline junkies and storm chasers in disguise ha 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 Uh, says somebody who just signs themselves as D thank you for that and thank you to the number of people who um, I, I just read out a text without thinking I had a, in that I didn't have the answer what's kilometres in miles and I was saying isn't it 2.2 but 2.2 what I was thinking there is that's kilograms to pounds isn't it is the, is the 2.2 so thank you to the number of people uh, pointing out that a mile is uh, 1.6 kilometres is the equivalent of 1.6 kilometres equals one mile. Somebody else has an easy way of uh, calculating it is uh, to multiply the mileage by six. Uh, so 70 kilometres comes in at about 42 miles. And the actual conversion, when we were talking about the this storm is travelling at 70 kilometres per hour towards Ireland, the exact is 43.4 miles 
per hour. So that's a good way of doing it, multiplying it by six, coming out at uh, 42. Thank you for that. Okay, a couple of cancellations. Hi, Patricia, would you mention the band and set dancing classes cancelled tonight due to the storm? And on Tahar Padder Centenary meeting tonight in Carrigonima, that is being postponed until next week. Okay, keep those cancellations coming, please. And here's a lovely text in from a listener saying, uh, Patricia, welcome back. Thank you. I uh, just want to let you know if there is any of your older listeners out there that are worried about the storm or the damage it might cause and could do with a little bit of help, or even if there's somebody out there that needs a bit of timber chopped or firewood brought in, anything like that in the Cantor, Castle Magna, Ballyclaw area, myself and my lads would be glad to help out. And it's help we're offering. We're not looking for any money. Isn't that some of the sweetest, kindest people are, are out there? Thank you for that text. Keep an eye on elderly neighbours and friends. Just call in, pop in, ask around, check to see. Because even though we are hoping that we're not going to get as badly bashed by Lorenzo than we had thought we would be this time uh, yesterday, there has been so much talk about this hurricane storm, tropical storm, that it puts fear into people and there will be people listening because we've been talking it up so much on the media, not just us, all of the media have been focused on it, that people will be afraid to go out today. So just throw a check on elderly neighbours and friends just to make sure have they enough, enough bread and milk in. I did see a report in one of the papers that we here in Cork were one of the areas. I mentioned this yesterday where there was a blitz on the buying of the bread. People did go out. <laughs> and start buying bread yesterday. So if you bought extra bread and you have an elderly neighbour, maybe check and see. Maybe they didn't get to the shop and you might be able to share some of your slice pan with them. I was talking with Simon earlier about Halloween and the amount of Halloween decorations that seem to be out and about. Mary says, Patricia, I was in the Wilton Shopping Centre yesterday and there is a shop on the long side of Penny's don't know the name of it but you can get anything you want in there the shop is just full of Halloween items so we do seem to be going down the route the Americans are always great to decorate for Halloween but it does seem to be like something that is taking on and is becoming popular in this country and by the way when we were talking about uh, things that are going to be cancelled because of uh, Storm Lorenzo if you are flying out of Cork Airport are you due to collect somebody from Cork Airport can you check in advance at the moment everything seems to be going according to plan even though we have heard that the two Aer Lingus regional flights from Birmingham and Edinburgh that were originally destined for Shannon Airport they weren't able to land they were diverted to Cork Airport and the passengers are being bussed from Cork to Shannon instead and the first of our power outages has occurred the ESB have been on to us to say they have a large fault in Clonakilty this morning and this is due to the start of the arrival of Hurricane Lorenzo. Many homes and businesses are without power in the Clonakilty area. 1850 Now, according to research from the Retirement Planning Council of Ireland, men aged 55 and over who drink tend to binge. While boredom in retirement can lead to both men and women overeating. Joining me to discuss the research is Sarah Kyo of the Retirement Planning Council. Good morning to you, Sarah. Morning, Trisha. Uh, and you're welcome. Now, the, look at the, let me look at the drinking first. Is this down to a more relaxed way of life when your career has finished in that many of us wouldn't dare think about drinking when you knew you'd work the next day? And a lot of it is that, that you suddenly think, oh, well, I won't have the glass of wine because I have to get up for work tomorrow morning. But suddenly you're thinking, well, I don't have to be up, so I'll have a glass of wine or I'll have a second glass or I'll finish the bottle. 
And, you know, I mean, a lot of people do get up, go out and they don't do that. But we do see where people are kind of just that bit more relaxed and they're not thinking about it as going out on a session. Um, But if you drink a full bottle of wine on your own, that is enough alcohol that it's actually counted as a binge drink in terms of the levels that we measure. Um, So it can be just people not planning ahead or not having things to do and suddenly, you know, they retire and it's wide open with nothing to do. And sometimes it's very easy to fall into drinking a little bit more, maybe eating a little bit more, snacking through the day. And obviously that's going to impact on how our health progresses then as we get older. And then the one with the drinking, particularly in the evening time, is, oh, sure, I'll have a few drinks and it'll help me sleep. That isn't the case. Definitely not. And it's a really important point to make that although when we drink alcohol, we do fall asleep more easily, the problem is that alcohol prevents us from getting the very deep sleep where we actually rest. So, you know, even one glass of wine, one beer in the evening is enough to sort of disturb your sleep. So, you know, if you drink once or twice a week, no problem. But if you're finding that's creeping in every day, it means that your sleep is disturbed every night. And of course, that impacts energy levels the next day. But also we know it has an impact on developing things like Alzheimer's and dementia, which are very linked to the amount of sleep and the quality of sleep that we get. Yeah, good night's sleep is, is so important. It's a lovely thing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So, Sarah, when you retire, you wake up on the following morning. What do you suggest doing to stop boredom setting in? Well, I mean, one of the things we do with the Retirement Planning Council is we run two-day retirement courses. And, you know, it covers all the usual things in terms of tax and finance and social welfare that we need to know on a practical level. But it also looks at planning for that. It is a tremendous change in people's lives that you will go from you know, your nine to five or whatever job you're doing, regular routine, you know, plus the social side of that, you know, the the self-esteem side of it, and suddenly you're cast into nothing. And it's just to say to people, you know, to plan that a little bit. We plan our pensions, maybe we plan finance and things like that, but we don't always plan what am I going to do and how do I cope even with the mental changes of that? So a lot of it is, you know, that you have an idea around, is there a hobby you've always wanted to do? Was there a musical instrument you fancied playing, a language you wanted to learn? You know, did you want to actually do a bit of volunteering somewhere? Did you want to start a small business? And we talk to people about doing that because what that means is you're not that person lost at home who ends up sitting, watching TV all day, you know, snacking every time they go in and out to the kitchen. And suddenly you have a person who was lively and fit and active is suddenly a year later, you know, looking old, which they shouldn't be. Yeah, well, I mentioned yesterday uh, th- this very topic. Uh, we just didn't get to chat, chat with you yesterday, but I couldn't get over the number of calls that we had right. in from people, mm-hmm. including there was one uh, gentleman who was making the point that it took a couple of years. You know, the first two years, he said everything was fine. And then he said suddenly he started to realise he was becoming very isolated and he started to really realise he was suffering from depression. Wow. And, he, and he put it yeah. down to, you know, his circle of friends were gone because mm-hmm. he had yep. socialised with his work colleagues he suddenly yep. had no reason to get out of bed in the morning and now he he luckily saw the warning signs and started getting involved in things yeah. and the number of people who suggested volunteering was incredible yesterday and what they're getting from volunteering and I mean it's that and I know volunteering isn't for everybody but you know, if it's something that you can do. And I love, as you said, that he saw the warning signs because it's so easy. And like people are kind of go, well, I've worked every day. I don't want to have to start getting up in retirement. And yeah. so I'd often say, you know, nearly take, two, take a two-week holiday when you retire. But don't give up on life. Um, which can happen. So it's even just to say, you don't have to get up and volunteer at nine o'clock every morning for the rest of time. But, you know, 
couple of hours here and there can be helpful just to put some sort of structure onto the week and particularly social because we don't realise how much of our social life is the chat around coffee at break time, mm. the popping out for lunch, the occasional night out with work. You know, that's a lot of our social. And the thing is, when you leave that, people will get in touch a little, but they tend to, you know, it, it swirls around the space you were in and moves on and the next person slots in, you know, um, and it's, it's a little bit different. So we need to make sure we have our social outlets happening. Um, but we also need to look after ourselves. And a little bit of it is getting your exercise in because, you know, I would talk a lot on the course around really health in retirement because, you know, we live, our average life expectancy now is 87. Great. And if you're retiring at 65, you know, that's kind of 22 so, years. There's a lot of living left to do. It's a lot of living and you want to live healthy. There's no point kind of stopping and suddenly, you know, you're running into all kinds of problems. So we, you know, sometimes the exercise can build into a bit of structure and build into the social side of it in that, you know, if you have to get up and go to your aqua aerobics class on a Wednesday morning, well, that's something. And then you might do your hill walking on a Saturday or, you know, but really keeping the muscle on your body is crucial for keeping us independent as we get older as well. So it's not, it's partly your mental health, but it's also your physical health as well, that if you're just sitting doing nothing, you're going to get physically weaker, you're going to lose your muscle. And suddenly you're, you're there, now you need a walking stick because your balance is gone or, you, you know, you can't do your supermarket shopping because you haven't kept the muscles in your arms going. And these are little things that build up and become an impact, but are so preventable. And planning your exercise, you know, your daily maintenance in terms of getting your walk or going to the gym or doing something is really important as well. And eating healthily and properly. Again, you're out of the routine of work. One of our listeners yesterday was saying she had put on, couldn't get over how much weight she had put on since she Mm. retired. And she said it's completely down to snacking, being at home, the fridge being there, cupboard, you know, the baking, the whole lot there. Um, And she's now, she's uh, taken on a healthy eating campaign and has lost two stone. We were very proud of her yesterday. Um, So, but healthy eating and planning your meals and you you do, I mean, you were a dietitian as well. Do you you need to change the way you eat as we get older? I mean, it's the same rules apply. You still need the same nutrition. But as you said, what happens is a lot of us are in good habits at work, which suddenly fall right away when we when we stop. Um, and people are, that wandering in and out to the fridge constantly can be a big issue with it. Now, some people actually thrive in retirement. They come out and they go, well, I haven't had time to exercise the way I want to do, or I haven't had time to cook all the nice meals. And they just absolutely embrace it. But as you said, lots of people, that routine goes. And it's nearly like, you know, you go on holidays and you mightn't be particularly careful, um, but then you come back and you get back to normal. But if you think of retirement as sort of a longer holiday, you don't have that cue to sort of come back and have a look at it. And obviously we want to get good nutrition in so that we keep our bodies nice and healthy as we get older. And there's no need to be perfect. Like it isn't that you can never have the bar of chocolate or the sweets or even the odd glass of wine. But it's getting the right foods in the rest of the time that the fruit and veg are coming in and especially protein. The one thing that's a little different, and a lot of people don't realize this, is that you need more protein in your 70s than you do in your 20s. Wow. So this is the time that should actually be going up. This is the time when you actually need the egg at breakfast or, you know, a handful of seeds in your porridge for protein. So that older people need to be getting the protein in breakfast, lunch and dinner. Um, and that's not... So you say protein at every meal? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Once you're kind of, just as you're getting a little bit older, we kind of go through our muscle a little faster. It turns over a little faster when we're older. So we need to keep the protein and the exercise so that we keep our muscle. Because our muscle is your walking, your standing, your balancing, it's your strength. It's, and even if you think about muscles in your hands, this is you dressing yourself in your 80s, you need good hand strength. So you need to be looking. So, you know, I'd often say to people, if you're finding it harder now to open jars than you did 10 years ago, that's a bit of a warning sign around your hand strength. And rather than going out and buying sort of a hand jar opening device, you need to actually go out and buy some hand exercise. 
exercise equipment and keep those muscles are crucial in your independence as you get older. Well done. Well done. Good words of advice. Listen, Sarah, thank you for that. Enjoyed our chat. Uh, thank you for joining us on the programme. Good morning to you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Uh, bye-bye. That is Sarah Kill, who is with the Retirement Planning Council. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Hello, this is Eric Griffin. Join me Monday to Friday between 7 and 8 for some great songs on C103 Anthems. And then... Hi there, Tommy Fleming here. This is Dominic Kerwin. Hello, this is Fleming Begley here. Hello, this is Robert Mazzell. Hi, this is Nathan Carter and you're listening to Eric Griffin on C103. Don't miss Anthems at 7 and the very best of Country and Irish from 8. Right here on C103. And please make sure that you've got batteries in for transistor radios and things and that you've got your phone charged because we're uh, getting another power outage this time at Kilbarry that's affecting Dublin Hill and White's Cross and the ESB of course have already been on to us say they've got a major uh, fault in Clonakilty this morning that's affecting many homes and businesses and sneaky feeling it is going to be the start of many because we are getting reports of quite windy conditions particularly in the West Cork uh, area please stay safe uh, 1850 now having just spoke with the Retirement Planning Council of Ireland John Noel Cronin has contacted us uh, to discuss active retirement groups. Uh, good morning to John Noel. Good morning, Patricia. Um, Thanks for having me. Uh, you're very welcome. Uh, w- now, what active retirement group are you involved with and how long is it up and running? Well, we, I'm involved with Active Retirement Ireland and it's running for the last uh, 30 years and it has a, a national membership. I think of around 25,000. Well, well, and have they br- have they branches all over Cork? Yeah, we have uh, branches all over Cork actually to divide it into nine regions and we'd be the southern regions now which would cover actually Cork and Kerry and we'd have actually 3,000 members within that area. And what activities do you get involved with? Well, you see, this is the whole uh, essence of uh, the whole essence of Active Retirement Ireland is Actually, our purpose is to reduce uh, isolation and keep older people independent, active okay. and healthy. Okay. And I suppose our objectives really would be to encourage men and women to maintain their independence, to, uh, actually to promote a more positive attitude to ageing and retirement, and to enable retired people, I suppose, really to enjoy a full and active life and to advocate for them. And uh, to be recognised uh, as a voice for those people. You see, you can have various different interests, uh, Patricia. Yeah. You can have physical activities such as bowls, swimming and exercise. You can have cultural visits to museums, the theatre, art galleries and the opera. You can have learning activities such as the computer and mobile phone training, arts and crafts and uh, guest speakers. And you can have, I'd say, providing information on important issues such as welfare rights and pensions. So you now, leave it up to individual. So do you leave it up then? Do you leave it up to individual groups to decide? You know what a group in West Cork might like to do could be completely different to what an active retirement group in North Cork might like to do. Well, and I suppose that's the great uh, that's the great thing about it that each other has great independence. I just mentioned Mallow, for instance. Okay. There are 120 members in Mallow, and they've actually, they do uh, active aerobics there in Hibernian, uh, we'll say, uh, certain days of the week. They've organised, we'll say, for instance, 
they're going to Killarney to the Christmas Cracker, the pre-Christmas Cracker in the Glen Eagle Hotel on the 18th of November. Yeah. And they're, they're involved with art and computer courses and uh, general interest walks, etc. So, now, somebody in West Cork then could be doing something very, very similar. Yeah. But it, there's no hard and fast rules to say that, look, what Mallow is doing, Kent Tuckman is doing. I know, I know. And do, and do members come from all different backgrounds and are all different ages? That's the great thing about it. There are no limitations uh, with regard to what you were doing or what you weren't doing. We're, we're non-political and it doesn't matter what job you had in the past. You're very welcome to join at any time. And now, the great thing about joining a course is that you have full public liability insurance and travel insurance uh, for any activities within Exeter oh, Ireland. That's great. And when you contacted us yesterday, one of the issues that you really want to highlight is that men are slow to get involved. Well, I suppose, you see, Patricia, even though men join, we have a bit of a difficulty in getting them to attend, we'll say, meetings and to attend outings. Some of them come, but not in the same uh, uh, numbers as, uh, yeah. as women. Yeah. But you see, I suppose, really, you see, you've opened up an exceptionally interesting debate with regard to what you do in retirement, because... Um, I suppose you've heard of the National Positive Aging Strategy. Yeah. For yeah. the culmination of years of work by older people's sector, including the Umbrella Group, uh, which is older and bolder, and just published in 2012. And you see, that strategy, uh, as far as I can remember now, it should be it outlines the responsibility of every department to make Ireland a better place for older, for older people to grow up in. And... You see, I'll just give you one instance now. If you think about the um, the uh, retirement pension for argument's sake, mm-hmm. is uh, two hundred and forty three thirty per week, right? Yeah. And the uh, actual living age is set up by a living technical group, and that's actually twelve thirty per hour, which is four hundred ninety two euro for forty hours a week. So you can see the great difference there that somebody retired might be completely dependent on the pension of 248. Yeah. In comparison, we'll stay with the authorised living wage of 492. And we've been pushing this as a national body. And also, and also for somebody that has been working to have gone from having a wage packet to suddenly a reduced that yeah. uh, reduced income it, it can be a big shock and this is a this is something we're going to be hearing a lot more about John going into the future I mean there was only the, the report out last month on the number of people aged between 50 and 59 who were at work those people in the next 10 years will be all heading for retirement so it's going Actually, to be a lot of numbers you're so right there we're going to have a million people uh, at that particular age within the next 10 years yeah yeah, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Is, so your your message to anybody listening from any part of the city or county, uh, John Nolis, get, in, get involved in their local active retirement group. Well, that would be the best thing they could ever do because it, it, it keeps uh, people active and it cuts out isolation. And there, I, I mean, we were at a seminar in Cork there now, uh, just a few hours the other day, called Fraud Squad, a fraud smart, sorry. 
and uh, it, it was actually giving with about two hours of a get together uh, now was actually created by Banking and Payments Federation Ireland and Accurance Ireland, Ireland were associated with it and with about 60 there and it gave great tips how to say how to stay actually ahead of the fraudster which is a difficult task yeah, it is indeed. It is indeed. And, that, and, that's a, and that's a difficult task, just not just for older people, that's for everyone. OK, I'm going to have to uh, leave it there, uh, John. No, listen, thank you. You've given a really good insight into active retirement groups. How can people find out about their own active retirement group in their own area? Well, the easiest way to do it, uh, you can go to the active retirement website, which is www.activeireland.ie. Activeireland.ie. Yeah, okay. and the phone number is 01873-3836. Okay, and no doubt we'll talk again, John Noel. In the meantime, thank you for that. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us, uh, sharing his insight into the work of Active Retirement uh, Ireland. Just on the rugby, by the way, because I know people's attention will turn to rugby after 11. Joey Carberry is out of the Ireland squad to play at Russia. The next match is uh, it starts at quarter past 11 in Kobe. Uh, Carberry was named on the bench is believed to have suffered a reoccurrence of his ankle injury and his spot among the replacements uh, were told to be taken by Connor Murray. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And in the last couple of minutes, we've had reports in that there is a pole down on the Bandit to Timaleague Road. It's about a mile from Old Chapel. Now, when we got the report in, we were told cars can't pass at the moment. I don't know if that's been sorted out since, but certainly when we heard in the last 10, 15 minutes, a car's not able to pass. That's a pole down Bandit to Timaleague Road, about a mile from Old Chapel. Please drive with extreme care because you just do not know when you come around a corner what you are going to be faced with. And as I mentioned earlier, this extra tropical storm that's affecting us, Lorenzo, couldn't have hit at a worse time because the ground is already saturated and the trees are in full leaf. So for, for a lot of, for some trees, it's not going to take much to push them over. So you do need to be careful. Eddie and Mallow reckons that any power cuts that is caused because of a tree falling over on power lines that the owners of the trees should be fined and he wonders would others agree with that I know when we come out of a storm situation we will inevitably get calls in from listeners to say that now is the time you know the calm before the storm or the calm after the storm to go out and walk the land and see if any trees have been damaged and I don't know I've lost count of the number of times that people have said you know why are Landowners and homeowners who have trees as well in their gardens. Why are they not after a storm looking to see has there been any damage done to that tree that could in the next storm then knock it over? But anyway, I don't know if people would agree with going as far as Eddie in Mallow believes that if there's a power outage in an area and it's caused because your tree, the tree is on your land or in your garden and that fell over and pulled down the power line, would you agree that those people should be fined? 1850-333-103. Driving, this is some of your texts in. Driving along the coast from Clonakilty to Union Hall, says this texter, the road conditions are risky. Strong gusts, heavy downpours. I think conditions are worse 
the further west you go. I think the orange warning, which has been assigned to Kerry, but it's been lifted from Cork, is more appropriate than the yellow one that's in place at the moment. A man from Montanati once told of anyone west of a line from McCroom to Ballinascarthy. Henry Ford was from Ballinascarthy, so that's why it was included in County Cork. I think the Met Service think that way geographically too. That's always the problem, and, and I think it was Evelyn Cusick I heard mention it, because of the size of Cork County, I always worry when we get a... a weather status for the entire county. I mean, you're right. When you look at what's happening in West Cork, it could be completely different weather to what's happening in North Cork. And yet it's all in the same county. And John Paul always has a thing about when he hears that there is a a higher weather warning for Kerry and not for Cork. He's always saying, does the wind know where to stop? Does the wind know that that's the line between Kerry and Cork. And of course, the wind doesn't know that. So I do think people in West Cork need to be very, very careful. And I think this listener is right. Maybe should be thinking that it's more of an orange weather warning than a yellow one, because it's kind of a sigh of relief when you see that it's an orange, that it's gone from an orange to a yellow. You think, oh, it's not going to be that bad. I think it's going to be a tricky, tricky few hours and into this evening time, particularly anywhere along the coast and anywhere along West Cork. And thank you to Margaret who sent in a lovely text to say, Patricia, I want to say a special word of thanks to the kind gentleman on the road in Mallow this morning. It was at about 8.45am. He was helping a not too well elderly gentleman cross the road between the two roundabouts. I don't know who this kind gentleman was that stops the traffic um, in order to make sure that this elderly gentleman got across the road safely but Margaret said don't know who he is but well done to him I'd love to think that the person is actually listening so if you are take a bow sir because you really are a gentleman that you would you know and you know weather was a bit not almost like a quarter to nine was it raining at that stage was it a bit windy but and it wasn't isn't the best weather conditions at any stage this morning but somebody just being really really kind and attentive and making sure that that elderly man got across the road and got across the road uh, safely and we were talking about active retirement and staying active in your retirement in the last hour and John Noel Cronin joined us to talk about active retirement groups well Donald says would you tell John Noel he's gone off the line unfortunately he's a mighty man for his age and I don't know what age John Noel is but Donald says he's a mighty man for his age thank you for that let's stay on the retirement topic because Michael in Limerick has contacted us good morning to you Michael good morning Patricia now you retired two years Bef- um, before I retired two years earlier than I should, which okay. was nine nine years nine years ago. Now, now was that was that your own choice to retire? Well, my own choice, yeah. Okay. My own choice. It was a, it was a uh, package that was going where I worked, and a lot of us retired at the same time. And I retired. Okay. I would have been two years, two and a half years longer earlier than I should, and I think it was the best decision I ever made. Well done. And had you always looked forward to retirement? Well, I, I would you believe I never really had planned for retirement at that stage because I was leading a very active life, which I still am. And like as you know, working in a factory, you had built up a huge base of friends, and you had the, the camaraderie every day. I worked the same place, the same factory for twenty-eight years. Wow. I missed five days in twenty-eight years. Goodness. I think. I had the second highest attendance record in the factory up to the time I left it. That's incredible. So uh, so you make this decision to retire and retire early. Well, a package came up 
at the time uh, in a kind of restructuring, which is happening regularly at the time. And uh, I decided I'd take it because I said, like, at what I was getting to take the package, I would never put, get it together if I waited till I retired. So that was my main reason for okay. doing it. What's, what's good about retirement? Well, I I don't think I ever really, as someone said to me, you never retire because you're always on the go. I'd be very active out in the countryside in the wintertime. I'm always out every day, involved with dogs and everything like that. And uh, the other thing I did take up, as I said to John Paul, I spent my lifetime, 22 years, involved in the GA, uh, wearing a white coat at the bottom of a post. Not a very profitable job, let me add. <laughs> but it was a great, a great incentive uh, to have had umpired in all over the country, including Croke Park and all that final day and all that but then uh, when in the past three or four years I've, I've taken up set dance and I would have a huge interest in traditional music okay. to be part of my family and part of uh, my mother lived till she was 94 and she she danced up to her 90 year so I suppose maybe it's coming from that but I think listen to your program both yesterday and again today I think the, that type of activity is it's wonderful because you're meeting a pile of new people and you're actually, you're, I suppose, you're, your exercise levels are, are huge. On last Sunday, I attended the Cayley back in Kerry mm. and I danced eight sets in the course of two hours. <sighs> are you fitter now than I you, were, I I, than you yeah, were when I you were working? Said, I have said that to people. I'm a lot fitter now than I was when I was working. Isn't that incredible? Because you... I was going. But I would recommend it to anybody. I don't, I don't mind any type of dancing. I'm not... Specifically saying, Kelly, you sit down to dance like that. Any type of dancing, any type of activity like that, I think is wonderful because the people that go to the Kelly's that I go to now, there's a, a club down here in West Limerick, the West Limerick set dancing, who have been in existence for, I said, well over 20 years. And the people organising it are all, are all, they're all probably older than me. And is and it the type of club that you can go to on your own? You know the way people will oh, say, yes, I've no one to go can. with. Yeah, you can, you can deal, you can go in there and uh, once, the, once, you, once you get into the scene of things, you're able to add to dance, you won't be sitting down, I can assure you that, because uh, I think uh, Kelly dancing is totally different to social dancing. You go social dancing, you're sitting down after every dance, but mm. you go to Kelly, there's eight sets up on the board in front of you when you go in, and before the band starts, there was, uh, last Sunday I was at the Kelly in Nocknagoshal, right. and there was a... Uh, uh, 13 sets, which is 104 people, they were all out on the floor at 5 minutes to 3. <laughs> and they were all out on the floor until 5 minutes to 6, except the break for tea at about, uh, I suppose, maybe around half past 4. Would you be exhausted? Would you be exhausted at the end no, of the No, no, no. And I, the, the only thing uh, that a man said to me one time, a great music man one time, he's gone to his eternal reward now, he said to me years ago, he said, all you need going to Kelly, he said, it's two shirts and a bag of bananas. <laughs> <laughs> so you can, that gives you the idea. And like there is no, there is no drink of any description there. Even in hotels, most of the people don't drink. It's only all water. So you can drive and drive home you afterwards home and don't have to worry about that. Say, you don't need a partner. You know, when you're going to Kelly, when the people get to know you and, and you're in the scene, you're actually booked before the Kelly starts to tell you know who you're, who you're going to dance the eight sets with. And, and great friendships formed. Oh, great friendship. Great friendship. And I have, indeed, we meet great friends on the car side as well, particularly yeah. the Bohrbui Valley Desmond country out there. Yeah. Uh, God rest uh, Dan Connell and Ochnagree. 
all that country out there. There are some great people coming from that end of the country absolutely, up there. Absolutely, absolutely. They're salt of the earth. And then when you look back on your working life, Michael, what do you miss about work? I suppose they said I don't really miss an awful lot because I have, well, I suppose you would you would miss the, 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 the I suppose the camaraderie with the different people because the, the, different times like people drift away and yeah. as your previous speakers today that I was listening to on the radio uh, people you know you, you lose some people that time you people you work with you you wouldn't meet them the unfortunate thing about it is that you could be now meeting people at funerals which it can be said you actually uh, only last Monday a colleague of mine that worked with me for years with later rest and he was a man only in his early 60s wow. but like that's 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 where we're meeting. But we all are kind of a group, so we kind of keep in contact with each other the whole time. You know, you'd, you'd get a text, and you'd get, and if someone was sick, someone would text you and say, yeah, "Such a fellow got a bit of an echo, give him a ring." And you know, we we kind of keep in the keep in the loop the whole time, and you'd meet course, people. Course. and that's but that's the key to it, Michael. The key is don't lock yourself away at exactly. home in isolation. Exactly. Yeah, you have got to you have to get out there and get that's involved. Right. I'm on the road every day. I'm told every day I have a small blue van and I say I'm probably known everywhere from all over the place. Michael in the blue van. Well, listen, what's it like in Limerick? Is it windy? It is. It's just starting a bit to get windy now. Okay, mine just... not so bad yet, but it's starting now. It's starting now. I'm down here now between Newcastle West and Skeet and it's just getting a bit windy now. Okay. Hopefully we'll... see, we're very close to the West Coast here. You're not too bad in Gould Hill, Europe, I... Yeah, that's true. Listen, you mind yourself in that okay, blue van. Great to talk to you. God bless. Thanks, God bless. Thanks. That is uh, Michael in uh, Limerick. And I'm just getting reports in the electricity is coming back in Clonakilty, Artfield and in Shidani. Uh, power uh, has now been restored. So well done. And can we just remember the ESB crews that go out in atrocious conditions to reconnect us when we do lose power in weather like this and uh, we think of all of them uh, today. Uh, and can I also, by the way, when I'm mentioning Clonakilty because they had that major power outage that we mentioned in the last hour. Well done to O'Donovan's Hotel in Clonakilty because we were getting calls in that they had offered their, ho- their hotel. Now, I don't know whether they still had power are they had generators? I don't know, but they were asking. They were offering the service to anybody that needs electricity. You know, I'm, I'm assuming to charge up phones and, and whatever. And if anybody wanted to use the hotel for power, they were they were offering that service, which was a really really fantastic act, and doesn't surprise me from uh, Dean O'Donovan and the rest of the gang. They're a, a, a fantastic hotel, and it's what community spirit is all about. They'll always be first out to help if anybody needs, if anyone finds themselves in a spot of bother. But well well, so well done to O'Donovan's Hotel for that. But good to know that Clonakilty back up and running with their power outages. Someone else says, when I'm mentioning, when I'm speaking about power lines down and that pole being down in the Bandon area, someone says, here we go again. When will the ESB networks ever start to bury the lines? Yeah, I mean, that's the obvious solution to it. If you had all the lines buried, we wouldn't be having these issues. But it's a cost thing, isn't it? It, it is more expensive. And, and until we bury all of the lines every time we have any kind of storm activity and with global warming, we're going to see more storm activity. We're going to see us getting the more tail ends of hurricanes that we never got in the past. But This is all to do with climate uh, change and while that continues to happen, we are going to see more power outages for sure, for 
sure. Anne says, Patricia, you've just been talking about set dancing. I was. We have set dancing in Upper Glanmire. It's on every Wednesday night and the crack is absolutely mighty, uh, says Anne, who was listening to Michael in Limerick talking about set dances. There you go. Upper Glanmire, if you want to go along on Wednesday nights and take up a little bit of set dancing. C103 Jobs. Part-time office person is uh, wanted for a busy plant hire and quarry that's in the Killavall and Shambhalimore area. Butcher, fresh meat counterhand wanted for Eurospar store that's in Skibbereen. By Blarney District CE Project, they've got a vacancy for a secretary. It's at uh, Inishgara Community Centre. And a plaster wanted for site and private work around the Carrigaline area. Now it's inside and outside work. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. With Budget 2020 to be announced next Tuesday alone, the charity that supports older people has called for the state pension to increase by €7 every year for the next three years. Joining me from alone, Sean Moynihan, the Chief Executive. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning. Uh, You're welcome to the programme. Do do you feel that some people believe that older people, especially those living alone, have all of their financial needs met by the state pension and that they've been sort of well looked after and cushioned? I think think what I'd say to you is is I think it's a great question because I think uh, perceptions and realities are two very different things. Do you know? Um, But for us, we, we did a launch on this and appreciate the time this morning, the other day. And what was powerful is, is older people tell their, their own stories. I think it's 44%. So let's just say around 50% of older people, their only income is the, is the, is the, is the state pension. Now, people sat there and told stories about, oh, I paid my life insurance the other day. One man told a great story. It's a very simple story. I paid my life insurance yesterday, which was 25 a month. And he said because leaving a small amount of money and I've been paying it years and the amount of money to bury me. But that meant now I'm two days away from, for two, three days away from the next pension day and that means I have to make choices around what I eat, how I eat, food, all of these different different things, transport. And I think the the state pension is at a level where you can live on it, but I tell you, it, it's, it's like the minimum wage, it's survival mode. And if something goes wrong, your health, your welfare, death of a spouse... All of these things are a partner. Ultimately, is, is it can be very difficult for people. And what we want it to be is around 35% of the, uh, 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 of the average earnings. And we should work towards that because the luxuries or the way we live is built on the contributions and the 40 years or 50 years of work of other people. Yeah, and and some of the people you would deal with, um, Sean, I mean, they are really finding themselves in financial hardship. I mean, it's it's hard to even think about an older person having to think about what will I be able to eat. Yeah, and I think the thing for us is that like this is this is the reality of what what the state pension is, and people, you know, the word we always think with older people are stoic. They get yeah. up and they get on with it and people yeah. have frailty and they keep going. And this is a generation that are really good at budgeting. So we've got to realise that there are great stories out there. It's positive ageing week, right? Yeah. And there is great stories out there of older people still abseiling and running businesses and 
looking after grandchildrens and all of that. And that's absolutely true. But it's not just one big group. Like younger people, like middle-aged people, there are many different stories out there. But what we have is, is around finance, the three biggest thing people come to us is, is health issues and, uh, and loneliness and social contact issues, uh, housing issues. And it's the state's figures around, around 800,000 older people struggle to maintain their houses. Now, these people own their, a lot, most of these people own their houses, but because the income they have is, right, people retire at 65, might have a, a small nest egg, but at 75, 85, maybe their health, their welfare, death of a spouse, they're in a much different situation. And actually, our older old can be the ones that are struggling the most. That death of a spouse, uh, Sean, can be a huge one. I mean, obviously, there's the whole uh, psychological and emotional mm-hmm. side of, of losing a life partner. But financially, if they have been living, both living on the state pension, that pension gets halved. That's it. So you lose all that love and caring and support <laughs> You know, over so many years, one can only imagine the loss of that. But then on top of that is, is you now find yourself in, in financial situations. You may not be able to afford... Because the electricity afford. still has to be paid. The heating still has to be put on. And and again, that's why we think the living lo- alone allowance needs to be increased. Your costs as a single person are 80% of, of a couple. Yeah, yeah. So ultimately, is is the living alone allowance do you know what I mean? It, it has to be at a level that it gives you something. And all we're asking for is, is, you know, we want it increased to 14 euros a week. Do you know, like, these are not king's ransoms. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, You yeah. know, it, it, it's to make sure to, to give some insulation. There is going to be a financial impact if you lose a partner and spouse, but give some insulation or better insulation from that. We had actually had some calls in earlier this week asking about was this the week that the fuel allowance kicked in and um, we were explaining to listeners uh, that it was. But in your pre-budget submission, you want the fuel allowance to be restored to the 32 weeks. I had forgotten that it, it, it was at one stage 32 weeks. It was, and it got it got reduced. But again, we've got to remember, go back to that 850,000 older people who can't fully maintain their houses. The point about it is this. You have a situation that the people live usually, unfortunately, in the older houses with the lower BERs. But yet, health or heat, warmth, like, is, <laughs> is a life support system. You know, unfortunately, older people, we have a terrible thing called excess winter deaths, and people die. Two or three hundred people die every year because of the cold in Ireland. They get respiratory diseases and they die after the cold snaps. So, again, these are small amounts of money and measures. And as we, I suppose we're all sick of Brexit, but if Brexit has a negative effect, we really need to make sure that we protect services, communities and jobs this time, which is maybe something we didn't do last time. And you spoke about older people who live in the their own homes that they own. Mm. Oh, what about older people living in private rented accommodation, uh, Sean? We know we have a housing uh, crisis. We know rents are rising. Is, is that another problem that we have at the moment for older people? I think in some ways, uh, we, we, people, when they talk about the, what, 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 about the pensions, you know, they always talk and use pejorative language like time bombs. And that gives people fear. The reality of it is, is, you know, we will be able to afford pensions for people. I think the bigger issue that we need to examine is the cost of the policy of actually older people going into or a whole society where people live in private renters. So I would ask anybody who's sitting there in their 40s or their 50s 
thinking, how am I going to pay the rent when I grow older? How will I ever be able to stop work? What happens if my health goes? Do you know what I mean? Mm. And again, if you're paying the rent and you lose a spouse, you, you, you lose half the ability to pay your rent. So do you lose your home now? So house ownership is dropping, you know, at a, at a percent a year. So it's moving rapidly and we've had a few, quite a few years of that. So I think for us is, is we've had over 200 older people um, and I only have the stats, I only looked them up for Dublin, but what happens in Dublin, a bit like what happens in America or England tends to happen in Dublin and then it tends to happen rurally and we can see the rent pressures starting to get into rural communities now, right? Yeah. What happens, we've had two, over 200 people on notices to quit. Now, that is where a landlord legitimately sells the property. But what happens when you're 70 and you've been living somewhere 15, 20 years? I mean, the, and we're not a homeless agency, right? Mm. But that's where, you know, but as as a, as a non-profit, as a charity, what we'll do, what we do is follow the need. So we provide housing. So we're providing supports for these people. So we're looking for new homes. We always, that's what we do. We do emerging needs, loneliness. So we have over 2,000 volunteers visiting. Links that we've uh, uh, we have a group of dedicated staff that usually do what's called support coordination. So we work with older people to help them age at home, help them get out of hospitals. So we look at all the issues and barriers they're facing and we try and empower them to get home. And on top of that, we also actually provide an awful lot of technology and training to other agencies. But it's all for us about filling the gaps in the system. That's what we do. That is the purpose yeah. of being an NGO okay, to well, us. Well done. Well done. You do, you do terrific work. So this call for an extra seven euro per week in the old age pension. Realistically, Sean, do you have any hope? Well, I think at the end of the day, right, I think what we've got to do is, is I think this is a wider uh, call where, like for home care, we have 22 organisations, right, all asking for the increase in home care and we've put a a value on what we need to to get rid of that waiting list. In the pensions, we're all asking but this is all based on how people live and the ability of people to live and keeping people out, out of poverty. And so ultimately, is, is as a sector, we're all working closely to make sure that we give very clear messages to, to government and political parties. Because as I said, you know, maybe some, some of the... <clears throat> Some of the privilege that we enjoy is because of those who went before us and ultimately is, is we won't want any of our families or friends struggling with finance really, and living in poverty in their old age So, and we won't want it for ourselves. Okay, and just very finally, John in Mitchestown listening with interest uh, to your interview but he always feels it's unfair when there's an announcement made of a social welfare increase and an increase in the old age pension of €5 Euro a week. He lives with his wife both old age pensioners and he said if you do manage to get the 7 euro a week he'll get the 7 euro but his wife won't get the full amount uh, like last year The five, he got the 5 euro increase but there's never the full 5 euro for the partner and the, the system with people you know and around money is really quite difficult you know there's an awful lot of pensioners again a, a man uh, told a story to me the other day where he's he, he'd worked in England for 50, 50 years came home had to leave you know in the 50s and 60s there was no work and he had to, to, to leave came home and now because he has an English pension if he ever gets any rise from England he gets deducted allowance I know, I know. Yeah. You know and, and that like pension from England is tiny anyway it isn't it's tiny and yeah. they've been hit they've been hit by the drop in, in, in 
sterling, all of these things. But these things are all taken into account and done all things. And so women especially, where they were forced out of the workforce, yeah. so they might be shorter stamps, I think in some ways. These, you know, like the reality That's slowly is, getting solved. Not in all cases now, because we've had a few of our listeners yeah. who unfortunately are, are not going to get the, the money back. But yeah. some are, which is which, which is good. But yeah. But, but, but these are small amounts of mo- money, right? Like, like to be so... Uh, tight on small amounts of money that makes such a difference to people's lives. Yeah. You know, I think, but I think are you, are we have to we have to question our priorities of how we allocate wider budgets when we don't have the money for home care and we don't have the money for this and uh, we don't have the money to give women, uh, you know, equal pension rights. But you mentioned uh, Brexit and we know they're going to be, the powers that be are going to be very cautious, uh, Sean. Are you worried about the budget next week? I think I think in some ways, as I said, I think it's a wider view they need to take it to the world. I think there's an awful lot of uh, economists, you know, who look back at the last big hit was probably was the bank collapse that could, we could equate to it. And in some ways, we protect we did we protect the right things, and I think people think maybe maybe we didn't. Knocks in healthcare, knocks in, in, in services, knocks in. in, in in, in social transfer and support are really, really hard. If we if we don't keep investing in healthcare and you lose a couple of years, it's really hard to get it back. And we're always chasing it every time we have a cycle where we cut all the things we really need as an infrastructure for society. So I think in some ways we have to maintain that th- this time. I think... I think we need to move away from the idea that we can give give tax cuts and that. I think most people would much prefer, as you heard all week in all the radio stations about people, all the delayed discharges, I think people would much prefer that their relatives are minded and get into hospital quicker and get, get supported. And there's some excellent health care given, but at that type of junction, they'd much prefer those types of things fixed. Yeah, and if you, free, if you, free, up those, if you free up those beds... People who are waiting yeah. uh, in down A and E will get one of the and best. People would, I think people would much prefer their money to be used in a Brexit situation for that than a tax cut that gives us enough money to get an extra cup of coffee. Yeah. All right, uh, you make a lot of sense, uh, Sean. We'll know more this time next week for sure. But in the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thanks. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is uh, wonderful gentleman, Sean Moynihan, Chief Executive of uh, Alone, with their hopes of an extra seven euro per week to be announced in the budget next Tuesday. And he wants that to happen every year for the next three years, which would bring the old age pension up by an extra 21 euro. I have a funny feeling. it's wishful thinking on his behalf, but he's out there fighting the good cause on behalf of uh, older people. 1850 John Paul taking your cause. Oh, by the way, the latest on the Ireland-Russia match from Japan. Uh, Ireland appear to be playing a blinder so far. They are 14 points to Russia, zero uh, so far. And that match got underway quarter past 11 uh, today. So they're still into the fir- first half. Ireland 14, Russia nil. If you have a pit question, Jane Pickett, our resident vet, will be joining us after 12 o'clock today. So you can get your questions in throughout the morning, 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 Every Friday, we're counting down to the weekend, the weekend. by turning up the Feel Good. C103's Feel Good Friday brings you six hours of Feel Good Greatest Hits.
Join Nick Richards from 1 and Martina O'Donoghue from 4. As we get you weekend ready. Weekend ready. Turning up the feel good for Cork. For Cork. Every Friday from 1. Feel good Friday. Only on C103. For C103 photos and more, follow us on Instagram at C103Cork. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 And joining us for this week's uh, Guard the File is Sergeant uh, John Kelly based at Fomoy Guard the Station. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. And you're very welcome. Thank you very and much. we start with tools that have been stolen and, my God, yet again, unfortunately, an unlocked van. Un- unfortunately, an unlocked van. Uh, it was in Clownton. Um, I'm just giving it out by way of advice, really, you, you know, for people. It um, is great to see the economy is back full belt. Um, but tools are always an attractive proposition for thieves. You know, in this case, as I said, it was an unlocked van, a uh, couple of grand's worth of tools, um, uh, something that could turn up at car boot sales afterwards. Are they easy to sell on there? Oh, easy to sell yeah. on, so okay. easy to sell on, you know. Okay, um, so lock and I mean, your unfortunately, van. people aren't asking the question, why are new tools yeah, for sale? Yeah, yeah. And particularly when you see uh, 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 a lot of them now are very good makes, like the Valt, and that, uh, you, you know, that generally the guys have them uh, a lot of the time are commercials, you, you know, mm. fellas that are using them. They're like the, they're like the John Deere of, uh, you know, of the tool world. You yeah. know, it's the contractors will be using them primarily, you know. Um, so stop and ask yourself the question, you know, why, why are new tools for sale or almost n- nearly new tools for sale, you know? Um, because if you could stop the demand out there, you know, maybe you can... We'll stop the theft? Stop, yeah. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, bit of a mixed bag, a few different things, uh, different types of crime now. Last uh, Friday, um, uh, there was a one there, and again, it's serving just to illustrate the type of crime. I've noticed in a lot of shops, I've noticed in a lot of takeaways, you know, if you're at, uh, if you're at the cash register, very often the person that's looking after you, their mobile phone is actually just inside the cash register, easily accessible. Um, this happened uh, last Friday at a busy take uh, takeaway there in in Mallow at about nine o'clock. Uh, the injured party was working in the fast food outlet, had the mobile phone stolen while serving the customer. Mm-hmm. The phone was left behind the counter. You know, so for staff, you, you know, please make sure that their phone is securely kept in a non-public area. You know that you can't just reach in and get it. And we've all seen that. I've been in a shop and I've seen uh, particularly younger people. They seem to be almost glued to their phones. Of course, they'll put the phone yeah. down and it's very easy for somebody who wants to be unscrupulous, pick up the phone Absolutely. and it's gone. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, the next thing I have, and and uh, this was last Sunday, uh, where the, on, um, an online purchase was made from a business by uh, using uh, an old uh, card, an old debit card number was used to make an online purchase. It still seemed to activate. So it would appear that uh, the person, when they got the new card, didn't dispose pro- properly of their old oh. card. Okay. You know, now we're advised you get a new card, you, you chop up the old one, you, you know, you use the scissors, put it through the microchip, you, you know, dump it in, it's, you know, it's no use, but I mean, just make sure you securely get a, get rid of it. Online fraud, you can definitely see there's quite an increase really in it, you know. Um, here's one where, uh, uh, an 83 or 84 year old, uh, man was targeted in the Middleton area. They rang him first at 10 o'clock in the morning. And they contacted them by p- persons that they were saying said they were from air. They d- 
deceived the injured party in, into believing that his personal and bank, at- bank details had been com- compromised. They then asked him, and uh, they got him to believe that Europol had identified a culprit and they needed his help by transferring money into a remaining bank account in order to make an arrest. So there was quite a substantial amount of money transferred to a remaining bank account. Oh, a recall has been put in on that money, but uh, to date, um, I've no news on that. Um, now, again, later in the day, they would appear to have taken um, control of his, uh, uh, of his computer as well. And uh, later in the day, uh, um, they pursued the same thing when they accessed his online account and they moved another amount of money to a German bank account. We can't emphasize enough or, or say this often enough to people. Yeah. That when they yes. get a call or an email or a text, unsolicited. Yeah. Next, in, next incident I have uh, is last Thursday. A uh, person uh, called there to uh, the station there in Yall to report that they had received a text message allegedly from their bank. And uh, it was Bank of Ireland uh, was shown up in it. Uh, now, obviously, it was a fraudulent message. Uh, basically, the text said her phone number was not up to date. There was an activation message followed, which she was instructed to click on. Uh, so, basically, noticed a strange transaction later in the day for uh, an amount of money. Um, now, in that case, the money was gone to uh, Bulgaria. And the bank were trying to freeze the, that transaction. So in the three items I've just mentioned, you'd money been sent to a bank account in Bulgaria, one in Romania, and one in Germany. You know, and you, people have to be so so careful. Uh, it's it's the it's the next big thing out there. It seems to be growing uh, quite quickly. And, and these guys and gals are good at what they do. They're professionals at what they do. Yeah, you know, they're professionals. They're they're well able to. When they make a call to a, you, you know, they're able to take people in on the phone, uh, you know, and they're able to follow through with messages afterwards as well, you know. So people have to be extraordinarily careful, um, you, you know, in, in dealing with this sort of situation. They're, they're deleting things, they're just putting down the phone straight away, that if they get emails that they're not clicking on links, that they're just deleting, deleting straight away. And they make sure that they have their, uh, you, you know, software, their malware and all, you, you know, their prevention software up to up to okay. date on their computer and, right, you know? and talk to older relatives and just to make them aware because just need to be careful who they trust it's awful to think that we have to say to old people be careful who you trust Absolutely. But that's, that's it, exactly it, it, the messages you know and I've said to people you know before you know we have two front doors to worry about now you know we have the front door into our physical life you know, into our home. But we also now have the, have, have the virtual front door, you know, that, that with the internet, you know, and, and with uh, 4G mobile phone sitting alongside you as well, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way uh, of putting it. So people just have to be doubly careful now. Um, just a final word for people, you know, beware, storm warning in, in, in yeah. force, just watch their driving. Um, don't know how, how bad it's going to be in this area. It's it's going to be later on, but for people to be very, very careful, you know, particularly on roads where there's tall trees and that. And, um, uh, you know, quite a lot has been said about it already, but just for people, just be care- be careful and only make very, very necessary journeys. Expect the unexpected, I think, is the best one when, you, when you're out Absolutely. and about. Listen, uh, pleasure as always, uh, John. Thank you for that and Thank thanks for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. That is from Formoygar, the station Sergeant John Kelly. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
Can I wish the best of luck to everybody involved in the Irish Wheelchair Association in Mallow and say congratulations to them. They won an Irish Healthcare Centre Award on Friday night for their drama project A Pot of Spuds. It saw the group write and perform their own play in conjunction with the transition year students at St Mary's School in Mallow. So everybody take a bow. Everybody with the transition year pupils at St Mary's and also the Irish Wheelchair Association that is a terrific win for them with their project A Pot of uh, Spuds. Now some of your calls coming into the programme. Firstly, reaction to our piece with Alone and Sean Moynihan of Alone who works with uh, older people and they've been advocating and working on behalf of older people now for over uh, 30 years and their big work is around isolation and making sure that older people won't feel uh, isolated but they, in a pre-budget submission they have asked that the government look very favourably on the old age pension and to look about giving an increase, a guaranteed increase of €7 Euro for this year every week and do that for the next three years so that in three years' time the current old age pension would rise by €21. Euro. They're also looking for other things, I mean, including they want an extension of the fuel allowance, which wouldn't just be for older people, that would be for everybody, but also the living alone allowance. They're looking for that to be increased, not, as Sean said, by King's Ransom, but they wanted to uh, go up by €14. Uh, Euro. And Sean talking about, and he works and deals with older people all the time, that some older people find themselves in, you know, real financial hardship. They're on this fixed income and everything is okay and they're very frugal about the way they live, but everything's okay until something goes wrong and there is an additional bill in and that can be the tipping point for an old person. And to hear him say that he meets with people who have to make a decision on whether they're going to be able to eat and what they'll be able to eat over the next few days because they simply have no money. And these are older people who, in many cases, have worked so hard all of their lives. I just think it is heartbreaking to hear stories like that. Well, not everybody feels the same way about older people, including John in Cove. Now, I don't know from Adam what age John in Cove is, but I am assuming from his comment to John Paul that he is not an old age pensioner because he feels, having listened to me talk to Sean from alone, he feels that the weekly benefits to older people should be cut in half and that the benefits to older people should be taken away and instead give it to families and households who are struggling to raise children. John says there are young families who are trying to buy houses, they're trying to start families and we've already, uh, only this week on the programme, spoke about the high childcare costs. So I'm assuming that's what John uh, is talking about. He reckons that he knows a lot of older people who hoard their money and then after they pass away, they leave all their money to the church or to some other kind of a religious organisation. He says that needs to stop and we need to take from the older generation and give it to the young people who are raising children and trying to send them to school. That it's those that younger generation of parents who are struggling, be it the ones who are working are the ones who are living on social welfare. They are the ones that are really struggling at the moment. And, and John, have you stopped to think about the older people that you want to take the money from today, that they would have raised families themselves and they would have done that during a time when it would have been very difficult financially. They would have scrimped and scraped to raise their own families, to put their own children to school. And now just because they're older, 
you feel will take it from them and, and give it to younger families. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would love if there was a pot of gold and everybody had enough money, but that's not the way it is. But I, you know, I don't know. Anyway, you're right to, you're, you're entitled to your opinion. I just don't know if many people will agree with John. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are a cohort of people out there. Maybe John is in that situation where he's struggling to pay the bills and get the children out to school every day. And, you know, he's looking at financial hardship and he reckons he and his family are more worthy than the older people. And when you say a lot of, you know, a lot of older people who hoard money, I don't know how many people hoard money and then hand it over to charity at the end of their day. You will have some older people who will be in a nice position that they are able to, when they pass away, will and give money to charity. But I don't know if there's a huge number of them. And Mary in the city is also not too happy about the suggestion and the notion that it's older people that we should be looking after in the budget next week. She She is an older person herself, Okay, so she has a right, as everybody has, to their opinion. She says if certain older people stopped going to the pub and stopped buying cigarettes then they would have enough money to spend on themselves. Mary says stop feeling sorry for these people they are misspending their money. Again you're generalising Mary how many older people are spending all their money going to the pub and spending all their money smoking cigarettes and just because some older people decide to drink and decide to smoke. You can't target all older people. It's the same with John and Cove and his comments that he reckons he knows of older people who hoard their money and then they, they when they die they're planning on leaving it to charity. You can't say all older people are doing that and even if some are doing it and some are doing what Mary in the city says drinking and, and smoking. That's not fair to say that all older people therefore shouldn't get any kind of an increase in the budget because they're going to squander their money. The majority of older people don't squander their money. They're very frugal about how they spend their money to make sure that they always have money to pay all of the bills that will uh, come in and to put a bit of food on the table. And as I say, you listen to somebody like Sean Moynihan from Malone who works with and deals with older people on a daily basis. He sees it at the cold face. He's seeing older people who are cold in, in their homes because they've got old houses. They haven't got this big pot of gold in which to do up their house. They're doing their best to try to pay for the fuel bills and they're doing their best to try to put food on their table and into their bellies every day. So I, I think you're wrong. You're, you're, you're entitled to your opinion, but you're wrong to generalise all older people uh, like that. 1850 333 103. Uh, we also, when I was talking with Sean, spoke about the problems we've been having with the old age pension and that ruling that was brought in in 2012 by the then minister who was Labour's Joan Burton and should never be forgotten for it, I can tell you that. And it affected people when they went to get their pensions and in the main it affected women who gave up to raise children or who gave up maybe to look after an elderly relative and then when they went to get their state pension, their contributory pension, they were of the view that they had enough stamps and when they went to claim it they discovered they didn't and they ended up getting a reduced pension and they're down, I think it's about €50 a week, like it's it's a big enough chunk of money to be down every week. Now, it's been sorted out 
and a lot of people now are getting their money backdated and they're getting their pension put back up by the 50 euro a week but unfortunately not everyone is getting the pension restored and a listener has said my wife is short 50 credits for the contributory pension she cared unpaid for my parents who wanted cancer, wanted dementia and she did that for over six years. She also raised our children as well and now when it comes to the time where she's claiming for her pension she's short by 50 credits. I'm still working and probably will continue to work part-time after 67 and she is not now entitled to a uh, pension. Well, yeah, I know as I say some of them were I mean, get that double checked, get it looked into because they were changing it and they were allowing people to get credits for the time that they spent looking after older parents or for the time that they spent looking after children. So, you know, if you get a no, appeal, appeal, appeal and just see, particularly if she's worked all of the other years and you're of the view, I mean, to be only short 50 credits, it seems like a very small amount uh, indeed. Thank you for your text to 1850 Helen is on line one. Good afternoon, Helen. Well, sorry if I pressed the button, it would help. Uh, good afternoon, Helen. Good afternoon, Tricia. Um, uh, you agree with uh, John? To a point, I do, really. Because I think at the moment, um, people I know now, they have their fuel allowance. They have living alone. They have their basic 247 or 8, um, which adds up to roughly 280. Now, they would possibly own their own house. They would have family near that would be very good to them. And I really think a lot of the money at the moment should be geared towards younger people trying to get a house as such because at the moment I know somebody that went for a mortgage has a professional job and his mortgage would only be roughly about 170 which means at the moment on his salary he can't think about a house really yeah, it's and impossible. he won't qualify it's, for it's, any council or any of the other houses. But but um, there's a lot of older people. Even even if you say that they are getting two eighty a week, there's a lot of older people really struggling on that who are living just on the state pension. I know you're saying some kind of family will be very good to them, but not everyone has family that are good to them. And I know, and I agree to a point with some. It's kind of you can't generalize. Now, somebody mentioned about food that they couldn't feed themselves. There isn't any excuse with Aldi and Lidl now. I mean, prices are rock bottom. You can have a very nourishing diet on very little, you know. Yeah, if you're able to cook and you're organised yeah. and, and, and whatever. Okay, and stay, older people are stay, stay there because somebody who is uh, has the opposite view is Mary. Hello? Uh, Mary, can you turn your radio down in the background because we're on delay and I can hear the delay coming back. Can you just turn oh, your radio down? Yes, have it turned off. Yeah. yeah, have you turned off? Okay. You are completely against the notion of older people having money taken off them. Of course I am. I'm, trying to, I'm a widow and I'm trying to live on my pension and pay everything, pay bills, pay house rates, pay... You can't do it. 
And this idea that there are families with young children struggling and they need it more than you need it. I know there's families. I know I have families, a family myself that can be that are struggling. But I mean, what are we going to do if, if anything happens to my home here? I have to fix it myself, and I have to borrow the money to do that. And are you very careful with how you manage your money? Of course I am. I'm on, I'm, I, I live on my own. We built our own home. I had a big family, and uh, there is no way. If, if if our money was cut, I could survive. I have no car. I have nothing. And that's that's always the problem, isn't it, Mary? Is when when everything is going okay and you're paying all your bills, mm-hmm. but as you say, if something goes wrong, your cooker breaks in the morning. I you get a leak. Myself. You get a leak in your roof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything you, is down to yourself to do it. So you don't have a rainy day fund. You don't have a nest egg somewhere that you can dip into. Well, not really, because you don't. After having a big family, you don't. Joan, how do you answer that to Mary? I can see Mary's point because I have somebody that was a widow in her thirties, and except that she got at the time a little part-time job, she could not have survived on a widow's pension. No, and I can see how borrowing had to be done for everything she did in the house. Mm-hmm. But I suppose I'm thinking more of people that would have small council houses and that wouldn't be doing any maintenance themselves. You yeah, know, but again, you can't gen- you can't generate you can't, can't, can't generate. And I always feel when there's this perceived attack, and I hate putting younger people against older people, but older people are on a fixed income. Like as you say, that young widow in, in her 30s and you know, dreadful, dreadfully sad to be widowed at that age, but she was of an age where she could go out and get a bit of work. If you're an old age pensioner in your 70s, you can't go out and find work. No. You can't prop up your income in any way. No. Yeah. No, and I can appreciate that. But it's just, I suppose, I know people from both ends of it. Yeah. I know people that are squandering a lot of their pension. They're playing bingo three, four, five nights. And I know young people that have to live at home against their will, really, even though they get on great, but they would like the independence of having their own house. And at the moment... We can't see that happening. There's a there's a generation, Joan. I think that will unfortunately never own their own homes yeah, uh, in this country. Uh, and it's sad in a sense because and like everything seems to have gone up so much. Even if you get a home, you've got to do so much. You have to pay high uh, insurance on the house. I mean, it's just outrageous the cost of everything. I feel even we in our old age. I get half a pension. I was short 14 stamps. Yeah, yeah. It and I, me. 124, 20. Yeah, and there's somebody else coming in saying saying yeah. the same thing. All right, listen. And I've been big victimised for staying at home when I married. I missed out by six months. Okay. All right, ladies. Listen, thank, thank you for that and thanks for joining me. I'm just going to go to um, Mary in Dumam. We just wants to get in on this discussion. Um, good afternoon to you, Mary. Now, what's your view on this argument of cut the old age pension, give it to the younger families, they're struggling to pay mortgage and put children to school? When I was in their shoes, I struggled too. You've raised your your family? 
Yep. And uh, just because I missed work for, um, I suppose, 10 years or 11 years, to raise my children, and when I went back to work then, I didn't qualify for my full hospital pension. And uh, when they said, oh, to be back to it, it was because of your, that all depended on the year you were born. Yeah. And they also told me uh, men that applied for their abate and that as well. And she said men should not, the girl that I was talking to said men should not apply for it. It was the women who were in during the caring for the children and that. But I, I, I heard of people that did get it. I did not get it. But I don't think why. I am not getting... I'm uh, getting the living alone allowance. I am um, getting the living alone allowance. I am. I'm not getting the fuel allowance. Uh, that's being tested, and uh, I have my tax to pay. My car, which is 16 years old, and I it cost me for cost me 1400 pounds to go to the city. And then you've got all the other bills, your electricity, your heating, your My house heating. insurance, property tax. Property tax. The rest goes on, on, on and on, on and on. And do you, and do you have sympathy for, for the, for younger people? Oh, certainly I do. Yeah. Because so many of them are, you know, their jobs are, you know, they're uh, unemployed. Okay. Well, and they can't get after going to college and going here and there. They can't get employment. I have I have terrible sympathy for them. But you raised your family hard times and you did it. Did yeah, I yeah. Went to work while the work was there. All right, listen, Mary. Thank you for that. Let me go to uh, one final one. Thomas is uh, on the line. Good afternoon, Thomas. How are you, Patricia? I'm v- I'm very well. What's your view on taking? You are a pensioner. Do you want I'm to hand o- Do you want I to was. hand some of your money over to the younger generation? I tell them go to the devil. Whenever we have a crisis in this country and any downturn, we're engineered into turning on people. In the eighties, we were told to turn on the the spongers and the people who were looking for jobs and couldn't get them were being targeted. Then, in the recent times, we were told to turn on immigrants. Immigrants actually lifted the economy of this country. Now, I worked 47 years. I retired. And before I retired, I was told I had a certain amount of pension. When I got my pension, it was €60 a week less. I keep myself well. I do not live high after hog. I do not drink. I do not smoke. I do not eat meat. I keep myself within a certain lifestyle. I go out. I appear to be doing fine. I am doing fine as far as I'm concerned. Mm. But I am not living high off the hog. Anything I get, I pay for it. I very rarely use the free travel because I have to have a car because I have a child that I mind. And quite often where I want to go isn't on a bus route anyway. Are you, hoard, I, are you hoarding money to hand it over to charity when you die? I wouldn't. I give money to charity every month because I've done so for the last 30 years. I changed the charities I gave it to because I discovered some of the charities I was giving money to had senior execs whose salaries exceeded mine by about a factor of five to one. So I choose my charities more carefully. I give about 50 euros a month to charity, mostly to the homeless and to children yeah. and to the blind. Now, somebody comes along and they decide, right, 
he has his own house, right? I have my house paid off. I have a small house. I had a big house. I downsized to a small house. I don't have a mortgage on it, but I paid my mortgage. Now, I have a certain lifestyle, which is mostly dependent on my getting out on a boat and going walking and doing things like that, not on spending money. I rarely go to the cinema or I never go to the pub. And I have these people then telling me that's because I appear in public looking neat, tidy and clean, well-dressed and all that, that I must be hoarding money. They're making assumptions. People make an awful lot of assumptions. And it's the same with the person who, you know, said that they know of older people that go to the pub every night and, and smoke cigarettes. You can't generalise. Of course there are going to be people that but do that. But you there can't, will be. You can't tar everyone with the one, one brush. No, but the thing is, people look for a thing called confirmation bias. They believe that... Oh, I, I stood up at a meeting in Vermont years ago and a councillor, who shall be nameless, stood up and he said, right, we have a problem in this country because there are immigrants coming in. When they come in here, they're given a car they're given 7,000 euros and they're given priority in the housing list. And I challenged them. I said, right, how many people, how many of these were housed in the North Cork district or specifically in Fomoy? Oh, he said, many of them. I said, not a single one. I was a housing officer. Yeah. I said, you're standing up there telling lies so that people will turn on the and weak that's scare, and the And it scares people and then everyone, uh, and then suddenly, oh, I heard yes. it, it must be true. All right, I'm way over on time. Listen, Martin, great to talk to you. Thank you for that. Keep Thomas. up the good work. Thanks Take a million. Thanks uh, for joining us. I can see a huge number of uh, texts in on uh, this. Just let me take a look at some of them. Audrey, I don't see why pensions should be cut. We worked all of our lives. We gave up a lot of things to have money in order to buy the home that we now live in says Audrey. Mary says hi Patricia I'm in the same position now as that pensioner I was rearing my family I still have the same bills to pay same maintenance to do in my house I depend on my pension there will be none of it left I know some people are well off uh, and they bank their pensions but you can't generalise it and say it is about all of us and another texter I can't believe what that lady is saying ridiculous assumptions and pitting people against each other both the deserving that's it the younger generation trying to raise families and the older generation and both now should not suffer bingo it's called socialising and meeting people older people are often very lonely and isolated and they're the ones that was the criticism of people going out to bingo and Nicola says oh Patricia how dare they my husband is 66 and is still working 8 to 12 hours a day often 7 days a week I retired at 57 but I organised my husband's business so regularly work very long hours my husband is down 40 euro in his pension one year he was only short two credits for seven years he paid employed and self-employed stamps and the years he was short he raised the children while I worked but yet he's still been penalised by the way we never smoked and never have we drink occasionally and just had our first holiday in 11 years Kind regards. Thank you for that. That is from uh, Nicola. And I hate, yeah, I do. I hate to see that where there is, it's pitting one against the other. And and it, and it is shameful. Younger people trying to raise families absolutely accept that they are struggling. But please don't target the older people and say they are the ones that the money should be taken from. 1850 Our lines are open. John Paul has taken the calls. And you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. We're looking for your pet questions, please, because Jane Pickett, our resident vet, will be joining us in studio. The C103 Cork Diary. 
with Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Pink Ribbon Day is on tomorrow Friday with pins and ribbons on sale throughout Newmarket. And I'm assuming they're on sale throughout Cork City and County. It's in aid of the Irish Cancer Society. Ballonhatley Community Development will have a fundraising social dance in the Marion Hall tomorrow night. Dancing is to Adrian Ryan from 9.45 and teas will be served. On Saturday, as part of Positive Ageing Week at 11am, people are invited to come along and learn how to use the outdoor gym equipment in band and it's guided by a physio and a personal trainer and then at half past two in the Munster Arms Hotel Age Friendly Ireland are inviting people to afternoon tea with music by Den Joe and Friends and Rotary will hold their School Bikes for Africa collection in Douglas Community Centre on Saturday Bike Wheels must have a radius of 24 inches so no kids are racing bikes please and a coffee and breakfast morning will be held in Regan's Shop and Takeaway in Killavollen Sunday next from 10am to 2pm all proceeds are in aid of the Connor Hartnett Treatment Fund you're asked to please support Court today on C103 call Patricia with your comment 1850 333 103 we're just getting a report in of a tree down on the Aragadine to kill Britain Road please drive with extreme uh, care some of your thoughts coming in on should in if you were to make the decision about the budget next week it's John and Cove who's making the suggestion that money should be taken from older people and it should be given to younger families particularly those trying to raise children and struggling to pay a mortgage Mary says no offence to the elderly people but the amount of money that are that, that are missing out but the amount of people that are missing out and the ones suffering real financial hardship are those that have teenagers. Teenagers going to secondary school and then on into college. These families are the ones with big mortgages and it's almost like they're paying a second mortgage if they've got to pay fees for school, school and our college. These are the group they who are mainly working young mothers and fathers. They are the ones who are struggling the most. They are the ones that need to be helped uh, out. Uh, a Douglas sister, this is when somebody suggested that older people, nobody needs to go hungry anymore, particularly older people. I got a lovely bag of organic porridge flakes for less than three euro two months ago and there's still some left over says a Douglas listener nobody needs to go hungry when you can buy porridge so cheaply someone says I can't agree with your listener Mary the vast majority of older people are paying house insurance they're paying maintenance trying to keep a car on the road and everything else and they have to do that on a basic pension there's no wiggle room there's a fixed income they not in a situation they can go out and work to get extra money uh, I completely disagree with John this is John from Cove who suggested take it from the older give it to the younger however all the things listed by the charity alone are challenges faced by lone parents but it's on a much larger scale as children cost a fair amount of money once a child reaches the age of 16 a lone parent is no longer classed as a lone parent and must go out into employment. The budget should make increases for both older people and lone parents as they are the two demographics that are suffering the most poverty in this country and there's statistics actually to back that up. The children that are raised in a family with a lone parent uh, have a higher risk of, have a higher risk of poverty than somebody's in a family with, with two parents. So that statement there is certainly backed up by 
by the stats. So give it to lone parents, but also give it to older people. Is that listeners uh, comment? A regular listener says, "I feel sorry for you, John." John and Cove, how dare you judge anyone? The older people you say don't need it, a lot should know about it if that is your thinking, says uh, John. Okay, that's some of the comments coming into us. I can see pet questions coming in for Jane. Keep those coming. And can I also just give a quick mention? This came in earlier when we were talking about we're hearing of trees down and we're expecting to hear more as the storm gets stronger and particularly the winds are going to get much higher as we go into the evening time. We've already had a few uh, trees down and poles down. And someone was making the point that if a tree on your land comes down or in your garden and it brings down an electricity wire with it and there's an outage in your area, that the landowner or the homeowner should be fined. It was just a suggestion in from a listener, the thought pattern being that when we don't have storms, you need to be looking at your trees and you need to see, is there a danger that if there's a storm and that tree comes down, could it bring down electricity pole with it? And the responsibility should go back on the homeowner and are the landowner. Well, Sandy says, and it was Eddie from Mallow had made that suggestion that the person, the landowner should be fined. Sandy says, Eddie from Mallow should realise that landowners can't cut trees without permission from a tree expert. Does anybody remember the hoo-ha that followed when a landowner from West Cork cut all his roadside trees growing on a high roadside field after some fell and he felt the strong wind would definitely knock more. So he said he'd go in there and he'd knock them, cut them all down. Some green activist raised issue over the felling of these trees and made huge demands ranging from and including that the man replant all the trees when so far as to say he should be fined and go to jail. I can't remember, said Andy, said Sandy, the outcome of that particular case, but there was a big hoo-ha and obviously the fact that it got publicity, it'll frighten other people. Health and safety is a big issue, but the council are the ones who should be removing or topping all roadside trees over 20 feet high in Sandy's opinion. They also need to be cutting the verges but the landowners cannot cut trees unless they fall onto their own land and that is the law, says Sandy, in this country which is absolutely crazy. Okay, 1850-333-103. Get your pet questions in please. Just a quick shout out to some more cancellations that are in for tonight. The Dancing Kilbrin Social Club cancelled. That's not for tonight, that's for tomorrow night. Michael Welton's social dancing class is due to start back tonight in the Pike Hall. Lissavard postponed until next week. Band and set dancing classes cancelled for tonight. And bingo in Newtown Shandrum is also off, as is the Duhalo Vintage Club tonight in Fremont. All cancelled. Flora Gelga, RC 103. Dimmershire <laughs> 
Cydia Nostral, August Cadina New Halen. Winche Mach Tridig Ud Dig Igwina Berna Idernashunta Gadisha, Augustus Kinta Gameg Tilla Amachuncha. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welga is Misha Podge de Batoon of Wales Gultmost of Ishmala. CKD as a tree Kirkig. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And Jane Pickett from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket joins me in studio. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Hi there. And you're very welcome. And can I mention my neighbour's cat once again? This is a gorgeous looking Aww. cat. I'm showing Jane the picture. It's a ginger, ginger and white. Beautiful. You describe him. Uh, with a bell around his neck, missing since last Sunday, wearing a blue collar. He's neutered. He's microchipped because it's a rescued cat. Oh, I see. And I see. Uh, when this young woman went to rescue a cat, the, she went to get one and she, the brother and sister were together and said sure oh. I can't I need to take the two of them and the, 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 he's just gone missing just all of a sudden gone and her fear is and this happened to me a number of years ago when I lived in West Cork that the, he's after getting into a shed and the shed door has been closed mm. which can happen Really really common I think particularly let's say as the weather is changing and particularly on a day like today storminess it's really common for the pets, dogs, cats to seek shelter and it's very common that they might hop into a neighbour's garage and the door might get closed without any knowledge that the pet is inside so that's what we always say when there's lost pets speak to all of the neighbours get them to open all of the sheds all of the possible little boxes they could have jumped into and that's what we're hoping it's in yeah. the Summerhill Goulds Hill area if any went missing Alfie's usual run on Sunday and didn't come home so any if you haven't opened your shed or your garage since Sunday just open the door and make a bit of noise exactly. and activity in the cattle bolt OK let me get straight into questions starting with uh, Jim in Watergrass Hill one of these heartbreaking ones our dog passed away recently where is the best place to get a dog maybe a pup and Jim is willing to pay Mm. So You'd first, say rescue. I, I would say rescue, yeah. to be totally honest. I think, first of all, well done. It's always a really tough thing when a pet passes away. They are part of the family in the end of the day. And we do we do need to grieve and mourn them in our own ways. But I think you've reached that point now where you're willing to accept a, a new little four-legged member into your household. And that's great. I think I would really suggest rescue particularly if you're not dead set on getting a pup which for most families I wouldn't directly advise they're super high maintenance not that let's say an older dog or a rescue dog might not be high maintenance but it is really like having a toddler when you buy a pup and they require an awful lot of time and attention I'd really advise rescuing 
perhaps a, an adult dog or even a senior pet. Um, they can give oodles of love and attention. And I think particularly with rescue dogs, although they might need to, let's say, settle in because we never know what they've been through, essentially. Once they settle in, they are so appreciative of everything that goes on. Like I know. Second I have, chance. Yeah, second chance. One of my little dogs, Sally, my goodness, like she's an old girl now, but she flies around like she's, you know, only a, le- only a little pup. And now that she's settled, I've only had her since before Christmas. She is the best little dog I could have ever asked for. She is so good and you can kind of see it in her eyes every time she's like, oh, I get to live here. I have a little bed. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'd really advise rescuing. And where do you go? A local I rescue? Would, uh, either a local rescue, but the ISPCA really will okay. be who I would go to as your first port to call. They do incredible work. And I suppose I, I do a lot of, I kind of interact with them a lot yeah, locally. You deal with them, yeah. And seeing firsthand the incredible work they do, which is really challenging on a personal level for them as well, is astounding. They put so much time and care into the animals under their care. And I think they, you know, my heart goes out to a lot of the animals they have there. I would speak to them. One thing they're particularly good at doing is looking at your personal lifestyle and what you want from your dog and what Matching. you can give a dog and match you up really mm. well with a and personality. And that is important. Super important. Yeah. And I think maybe, let's say, going to get a pup or buying a dog, it, it's a good way of doing it. But at the same time, you are kind of getting, let's say, an off-the-shelf model. It's very yeah. much like, you know, getting something that's not purpose-built. And that, let's say, the personality of the dog might not be as well-known as, let's say, a rescue in a way. So they're really great at matching you up. Um, and a lot of the time, you'll have a meet-and-greet and get to meet the pet and make sure you gel and get on before you commit to, to taking them into your home. So I would definitely say rehome as the first port of call. If you do want to go down the route of, let's say, buying a pup, the golden rules to avoid, let's say, puppy farming and less savoury practices would be make sure that the pups are seen with the mother in their place that they are kept, not in the back of the car on the side of the road or, you know, collecting the pup because, you know, it's more convenient to meet them halfway. Always go to the place where they've been kept. Make sure you see the mum and the dad if possible. Have a good look around. I know when people go to these places, sometimes if the conditions aren't great, their heart goes out to the pups and they say, oh, I have to take them home. To be totally honest with you, the best thing you can do long term for the puppy industry in the country is not support places with bad practices. Mm. So if you know you can see the mum and possibly even the dad, if they've had some, let's say, veterinary checks and initial vaccinations, you know you're on to a good place yeah. and they're the people to but support. But you've got, you've got to be very careful because you're Super storing careful. up all problems for the future. Mm. Hi, uh, Patricia and Jane. My dog... Uh, fully toilet trains goes to the toilet himself but sometimes I've noticed of late when he gets up from lying down he's wet underneath as if he's oh. wet, as if he's wet okay. uh, I've noticed he's inclined to be a little red a little sore underneath Okay. what would you suggest interesting as she said whether it's let's say an older or a younger dog no not chance. saying okay, not okay. saying if it's, if it's something that happened recently it's an interesting one sometimes let's say as, as we venture into the older age, our bladders can get a little bit weaker. So let's say the act of getting up and down from sitting or lying down, because sometimes the, the pressure in the belly, the kind of hiking up to stand up, can sometimes mean that there's a, a little leak of the bladder. Now, it's a lot more common in the girls than in the boys. Other things that can happen sometimes is if there's a little bit of infection or irritation um, of anywhere in, in the either the bladder or the, the outlet from the bladder that can cause, let's say, an increased urgency. And there might be a little bit of a, a little bit of a pee. But a, a previously toilet trained dog that normally knows to go out and do his business mm. outside, it is strange, particularly if nothing else is going on. I think, to be totally honest with you, I would pop to the vet, tell them the story, let them know as well a really good pattern of when you see it happening. 
so is there any other times where you notice a little leak of pee or anything like that or is it just when we've been in the bed and how frequently and over what period of time that's been happening it may be that they might just need to do a good check over rule out the common things and make sure that everything is fine but depending on let's say the other situation and other signs that your dog might be showing they might suggest doing either a little urine sample which yeah. is very common very simple thing to do and gives us a huge amount See of information if a kidney infection. exactly and yeah. potentially do some bloods i think either way for your own peace of mind i'd pop along to your vet Get have a checked. chat with them donald's found a hedgehog just this morning thought oh. he was dead but he's not uh, he's he seems to be unable to move much. I put him in a box, put him in a safe grassy field. Mm. He seems to be sneezing a lot. Okay. It's strange though he hasn't walked away. He looks perfect okay. says Dono. This is a bit of a concern really to be honest. Well done Donald for picking him up. There's lots of people that wouldn't. Um, it does sound like this little hedgehog might be in a little bit of trouble particularly if he's not wanting to walk away. Now if he's balled up you know, with the spikes out in protective mode, that's a different kettle of fish because he's okay. just in protective mode, you know what yeah. I mean? But if he's not curled up in a ball protecting himself and he doesn't want to move away from, let's say, the dangerous human um, that he would foresee as a wild animal as a threat, then I will be a little bit concerned that he sounds like he's a little bit under the weather, a bit of sneezing. Sometimes we can get, let's say, respiratory lung and nose infections in these animals. That's quite common but potentially in this cold weather as well when things have taken a little bit of a turn if he's let's say got a low body weight and is not wanting to move it may just be that he hasn't got enough sugar in the system and he's just not got enough energy or god forbid if he was on the side of the road he might have had a bit of an accident mm. which might be interfering with things and it was it was on the roadside yeah, yeah he could exactly. have been hit could have been hit i would say it's always worth giving them some food. So I sometimes cat food is a good thing yeah, to do sometimes. Yeah, I'm, and, yeah, and I'm, I'm feeding one in my garden because yeah. obviously they're coming up to hibernation. Yes, they? they're getting so I'm up tried, to that I'm point. trying to feed up my guy in, well, I'm assuming there's one mm. um, and it's cat food I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm using. Yeah, yeah. They, they seem to like it. Um, we are getting to that point of hibernation, not quite there just yet. So I wouldn't imagine. So try feeding and see, does he eat anything because he's in the yeah, box? Exactly. Yeah. Food and water. And yeah. I'd probably give him somewhere warm. If he's not inclined to move and scuttle off at this point I'd probably bring him in keep him in a little cardboard box maybe pop him into your own shed or something like yeah, that just yeah. overnight give him 24 hours just to in case he's been but hit by to something to be honest if you have a vet locally I might pop him down okay. just to have a little look alright we'll leave it there thank you for that thanks, uh, thanks uh, for joining us that is Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in uh, Newmarket part of the Mill Street Group that's where I leave you for today stay safe during storm Lorenzo and keep the radio locked on C103 will keep you updated uh, throughout the afternoon in into the evening and we'll talk to you tomorrow morning at 10. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Martina O'Donoghue Make C103 part of your drive home with up-to-date traffic information and local news, your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day plus our feel-good story and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours. Join me Martina O'Donoghue every weekday from 4 to 7. C103 Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.